Thank you very much to all of you who did things for Easter. You decorated, you painted, you chopped things up, you cleaned things up. Whatever you did, thank you very much. Your efforts were, were greatly appreciated. A lot of things uh, got done, got taken care of, got cleaned up. Not that we've neglected things, but it's very difficult to pour a lot of effort and things into a place where maybe you're not necessarily planning to be for a long time. So that's my fault. So I haven't necessarily been real uh, proactive in all those extra little details uh, but uh, things are taken care of. We thank you very much. Many people put in lots of hours uh, for us to look the best and be the best that uh, we could be on Easter. So uh, I would encourage you, continue to seek, Lord, what He has for you, who He has for you to bring to church. It's a great place to be, and God's doing great things. Last week at Easter, we talked about following Jesus, following Him through the door. And the scripture that we started with was Proverbs chapter 3, because whether you know it or not, God is leading you. The question isn't necessarily whether he's going to lead you in the direction you need to go. I think the question that we need to answer is, are we going to be willing to follow him? See, in the, in the Old Testament, it always talked about the, the cloud and the pillar of fire and God's word leading and guiding and him taking him to all these places and him showing them that the city's been given to them. And if you've been reading through the Bible in a year, you've been, you, know, you follow through those first five books of the, the Old Testament as they, as they take the children from, from Adam all the way through the, into the promised land in Joshua and all those things that are happening. They're always led by the Spirit of God. And when they were led by the Spirit of God, when he was guiding them and taking them into that place, they were obedient, they had victory. When, when he, he wasn't taking them that direction and they decided that was the direction they needed to go anyway or maybe he asked them to do one thing and they got cantankerous and wanted to do another that's when they were defeated and, the, and you go back through and you read the word and it's, you know, it stays the same all the way through follow God, you'll be victorious don't follow God, you won't be victorious know history because if you know history it won't repeat itself see if you fail to understand and know history history will begin to repeat itself and I think in our lives many times, uh, you know, in, in the world today, you're starting to see some of that. But, but in our lives as believers, I'm not talking about the history as in dates and presidents and all those kind of things. But do you know the Word of God? Do you understand? See, do you understand what God is teaching you, what He's showing you, what He says in His Word? From the Old Testament to the New Testament. In Proverbs in chapter 3, it says in verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord. This was our first scripture last week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall what? Direct your paths. He'll direct your paths. That means He'll show you the direction to go. He'll, he'll lay out the path for you. He'll open the doors that you need to go through. We said that there was a separation between man and and God, sin was the separator. Then all through the Old Testament, you know, Joshua followed God, Moses followed God, Abraham followed God. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but God said, I'm going to show you when you get there. So they were always moving and following God. The problem was, for the everyday dude like me and you, there was a separation. Sin separated us from God. But Jesus came. That was the beauty of Easter, right? Jesus came to break that barrier, to open up the door between us and eternity to open up the door between us and God's abundance he's the one that when he hung on the cross and died it said that the veil was rent and we said that veil was four inches thick and was almost 60 feet tall at the time built and, and made and woven in such a way that it couldn't be ripped or torn by man but with that one sacrifice with the highest of all high priests dying on the cross and giving himself for us once and for all the veil was torn there was nothing between us and God now and that door we said was just as open to us 
as it is to the person who's walking out there in the world today who doesn't even know Jesus. That door is open. They don't even know Jesus. The door is standing there open, and they feel held captive on this side that they can't. They feel held captive by the sin in their life. They don't think they can. Yes, you can go there. Yes, you can go there. You can follow him through that doorway. It's just as open to the people who are walking in this world who aren't living the statutes, aren't living the word of God in their life, aren't alive unto Christ. The door is just as open to them as it is to us. It's easy for us to go, "Uh uh-huh, you betcha. Yeah, because we know. But close your eyes for a second and just think, who are the people that are out there? You can probably put five fingers up. Who are the people who are out there who are stuck on that side, who haven't gone through that door, and who haven't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who who haven't said, okay, God, I want to follow you with all my heart. They're going through stuff. They're going through situations. They've got great excuses. They've got great reasons why they haven't. Now, in your life, are there five people in your life? You can say, oh, I know this guy, this guy, this guy, this girl, this girl. I, I know five right now. Now, here's the thing. Are we reaching those five? Are you reaching those four? Are you reaching those six? Maybe they all live in your house. They're perfect. They're right there. They come home every day. I mean, it's not great that, you know, five people in your house, but I mean, at least they're right there in your house. You know, you don't have to go anywhere, and you probably know them. But, but what we have to understand is Jesus broke down the barrier, so now what? You know, I've had a lot of people sharing things with me, and a lot of people talking with me, you know, over, over the last couple of days, and and they say, well, what do, we, what do we do now? I mean, the door's open. I, I received Jesus into my life. And, and no matter if you've been saved for six weeks, two weeks, six years, or 20 years, it doesn't matter. We're all in the same boat. Now what? And your success in life becomes your choice. Your success in following God is, is, is your choice just as it is my choice. And if you're going to follow God through this door, if you're going to go into what He has for you, you better know the things that you're getting involved in. You better understand the Word of God. If you can't rightly discern the Word of God, then, then you're in trouble. And why believers aren't consistent is because believers are only in the Word of God a portion and a part of their time. Believers aren't interested in necessarily dissecting, understanding, and learning more Word. As believers, many times, we're concerned in learning the Word that benefits us for the moment that we're in. I mean, we, we like to get in there and, and devour some scripture for some situation, or if Pastor Pam has a word at the, at the offering and that's what we're going through, we're like, yeah, man, you write that down, don't you? And then we go home and we look at that scripture. And then as we get through that situation, then we stop looking at that scripture. Maybe that thing is past in our life. And here's the, here's the thing that we have to understand. We serve a God, and this Bible is full of big God moments. And the big God moments weren't just for the people who existed between these, this leather cover. Those big God moments and those big God promises and those big God statutes are for you and for me. But if you don't know what they are, then what good are they to you? See, if you, if you don't know what, what it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, pressed down, shaking together, and running over, I mean, if you, don't, if you don't know what that says, then what good is that to you? What good is that to me? That's why some people have walked through this door and got on the other side of the door and kind of went, oh, well, what's over here? I don't understand what's going on. See, we lead people to Jesus. We bring people through that place. Salvation comes in their life, and then where where do they go? It didn't say just lead people to Jesus. The Great Commission said make what? Disciples of people. That's for you too just as much as it is for me. Not just to make disciples, but to be a disciple. How do you become a disciple? You learn the word. Those guys didn't know anything when they met Jesus. 
He came to them and said, follow me. Well, they gave up their nets, they gave up their tax business, they gave up their stuff, and they just followed Jesus. They may have known some things about the old law. They may have known some things about the old covenant. They may have known a few things here or there. But through their walking with Jesus, they didn't always get it right. They messed up, they made mistakes. But they followed him. They learned. And I've jumped way ahead on your outline and all the way to the end. So this may be the shortest message that you've ever had. But see, in the end, they ended up changing the world. Why? Because they put all those things to practice in their life that they learned. They didn't go out and talk about what they thought. They didn't go out and help people with what they could do. They went out and told people who Jesus was and what he did and what he can do. They, what did the people say in Acts? They said, quit talking about what? Jesus. They didn't say quit holding tax seminars. They didn't say quit holding fishing seminars. They said quit talking about Jesus. That's all those guys could talk about, Jesus and what he did. Why? Because that's all there was. They hadn't sat down and wrote the rest of the stuff. See, they knew it. They learned it. They lived it. They were part of it. went from 12, went to 70, went to 120 in the upper room. It started to grow. Then all of a sudden there were 4,000, 3,000. All these thousands of people started coming what happened? Then all these people got to learn the Word of God or else what? It's going to all fall apart. You can't walk through the door and then not go forward. You can't. There's too many people standing on the other side. I should have left the door, Andy. Sorry, wherever you are. You know, you can't stand on the other side of this door with all these people jammed up, not going anywhere. It's not just one room that it opens up into. It opens up into eternity for you. Once that door is all open, it's, that opens up for eternity. But how far you go down that road depends on you. How far I go down that road depends on me. It says in Deuteronomy in chapter 11, and this is how important, you know, as, as you go. And There was a guy in, in Frisco, Texas, and I was at his church, and he, he shared this scripture one day, and it, it, it's always stuck with me. It just, all of us, it just really made sense to me at the, at the moment. And, and, and the Word of God is, is, is truth. We say it, right? The Word of God is truth. If I believe the Word. Well, what do you know? I mean, if you live the Word, you will be blessed. What's the Word? I don't know. That's a problem. That, that's an issue. What does the Word say about where you are today? What does the Word say about your situation? What does the Word say about your circumstance? What's, what's God speaking to you in your heart? Those are the things that take me down that path not coming in here on Sunday mornings and smiling. It's the Monday through Saturday stuff. See, it's that everyday thing. Don't, you know, I, there's too many people come back on Sunday and all they got is what we had last Sunday. You would starve to death if you only ate on Sunday morning for 25 minutes, 35 minutes, me, 45 minutes. I mean, it, it, we would starve if we didn't eat then from... It says that this is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. John. Chapter 6. He's the Word made flesh for us. But it says here, it says, Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you will bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. They took these scriptures and they wrapped them up and they put them in these leather things and they tied them to their head. And then it says, And you shall what? Teach them to who? Your children. It says, you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Not will and grace. The Word. You have a responsibility for the young ones that live in your house. Now, don't go throw your TVs in the trash. But, I mean, you know, you have a responsibility to those young people who are in your house to teach them the Word of God. 
It's no different than you sending them to school and say, raise my child. That's not their responsibility to raise your child. It's their responsibility to teach your child reading, writing, and arithmetic. It's your opportunity and your responsibility to raise your child. The church's responsibility isn't to raise your child. The church's responsibility isn't to be the only person that imparts the word of God into those children's lives. That's your responsibility. It says so right here. It says teach your children. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That you're de- Now, how many times have you heard Pastor Pam or Pastor Bill or, Pastor, or me say, hey, write those scriptures down, put them on your mirrors. Put them on your dash of your car. Put them on your, your, your desk at work. Put them on those places. Why? So they could be like frontlets. Because that's the truth. So that you know what the truth is. You know what the Word of God says about you. You know what the Word of God says about your situation, but I don't know. Find out. All you got to do is go to BibleGateway.com and type things in there. All the scriptures come up. It goes on, though. And it says that all your days and all the days of your children may be multiplied in the land which the Lord your God swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. It says if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command to you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways and to hold fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all the nations before you. It says every place in verse 24 that the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. In verse 25 it says, No man shall be able to stand against you. See, that, that creates and causes you to be, a common over, uh, to be an overcomer. The Word of God does. Paying attention. Heeding the Word of God in your life like that. That consistent eating. That consistent taking in of what the Word says. I mean, you can come on Sundays and Wednesdays. It's always good Word. It's always something that God's speaking and sharing with us. It's always fresh manna from heaven. But that's still just two days a week. You know, Pastor Pam, it's, it's, it's interesting. You know, she said, she said consistency and talked about that and anything, you know, from the beginning of the year that maybe God put in your heart to do concerning your weight or whatever. I turned to Pastor Bill and said, do you want to do the offering next week, sir? He laughed and said, wow, she's going to meddling now. He's thinking, well, I'm working on it, Mom. Gosh. I, oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's, but, but, you know, your Bible reading plan, you know, are, are, you, are you buzzing through that? I don't do that. Do you do any? I don't care if you do this. Do something else, man. Do whatever you want. Elizabeth uses her phone. She uses all kinds of crazy different ones. It doesn't matter to me what, what we do or what you do. or It's up to what God has put in your heart. But you've got to do something. There are opportunities. We live in a world that is full of opportunities for you to know stuff. The problem is, I think, in many of our lives, we know too much of the wrong stuff. We know too much about stuff that don't, doesn't really matter. We know too much about stuff that, that really isn't that big a deal. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm like that. You know, I, 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 you know I, read, I read certain people. You know, Peter King writes Monday Morning Quarterback every Monday morning. I mean, I, I, I read that. It's like PGA Confidential on golf.com. I, I, read, I read that. The Journal and Courier. I don't always read that. But see, all those, all those things are out, all those opportunities are out there. But every, every day when you get up, every morning, every time at lunch, every noontime, whatever that is, I mean, this is sitting there too. Ah, it's kind of old. No, these are interesting, fun, and exciting stories, really, truly. If you sit down and you say, God, I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. See, you are what you eat. You can't live your life while eating ho-hos. 
You've heard me say, I mean, if you spent like every day, like every meal, you ate ho-hos, man, that would, that, you would not last very long. I mean, think about it, you know? I mean, you've got you to eat right if you, if you want to be right. And it's no different spiritually. You, you have to eat right. And, and this, this message really, truly, I mean, it's just, just about the Word of God. Because your success and your prosperity depend on, depend on this. And, and as you go through, I, I mean, it just, it just, this scripture, you know, talks about the frontlets and binding the hands and the doorposts and all this. Yeah, that's kind of old. Hey, man, I, I'm telling you what, I go into Annabelle's bathroom. She's got scriptures on the mirror. She's got scriptures on her mirror. She's got all kinds of things written on there. I mean, that's, that's interesting. You go into like a 13 or 14-year-old's bathroom. It's, wow. But, uh, I mean, they're on there. Amy. Amy's my cousin. She, I, not, I, just, I only go in their house, so I don't go to your house, so I can't say what you have on your bathroom mirror. But, but Amy does. You know, she writes scriptures for her kids and puts them on the mirrors and puts them on places and puts them on stuff. Why? Because it said right here, teach your children. Speak of the scriptures. Speak of the word when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. How are your children going to know? See, how are your children going to know if you, if I would not or do not teach them? I don't know much. Read together. This isn't Parenting 101. I'm just, you know, I mean, I'm just throwing out thoughts and ideas. It's not even on my notes. You obviously know that. I completely don't even know where I am. I mean, I tried to preach like five different things. I didn't want to stand up here and talk about the Word. I wanted to use scriptures from the Word. I got a lot of neat things going on in my head and in my spirit that God's speaking to me. But then from Monday to, to now, I mean, that's all I, I mean, that's all I could do. Just, you know, scrap up paper and throw it over my shoulder and go back to this. It's important. It's important. We live in a time and we live in a world in which you need to know what's going on. We have the written Word, we have the Bible, and we have the Holy Spirit. You know that. The rhema, where that, that word that's instant in season right now for today. But, how, but, how, but really, truly, how many of you are asking questions like, ah, I don't know what to do. What don't, what's the word say? I don't know. Used to be when Pastor Bill would ask that question, what's the word of God say? This. What's the Holy Spirit telling you? This. Are you doing that? No. That's not always the case anymore, I don't think. That happens. That happens. That happens. But there are a lot of times people say, I don't, I don't even know. Ooh, now that's a problem. That's a problem. And then I said, well, you know what? There's a VBI class that talks just about that. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Well, good luck with your ho-hos. Get you some ho-hos, some fruity pebbles, you know, some funyuns. You're right, see? Oh, see everybody right there, funyuns. 9.30 in the morning on Sunday, funyuns. Think about those. Oh. Makes your stomach turn. It says in Joshua, and I've been there almost every, every service since January, Joshua 1, eight, one, one through 8, it, it talks about don't turn from the left, don't turn to the right, stay with. He said, Moses is dead, but I will be with you. He said, you're now the man, you're now the leader, just as I was with him, I will be with you. But you have to know the law. You have to know, for us in the New Testament, the word. You have to. It's impossible for you to become successful and prosperous because to be successful and prosperous, it says, you have to meditate, speak, and act on what? The Word. Because it's the Word that works, 
Not just what you think up. Not just what somebody else came up with. Not that was just on the latest infomercial. It's not though. It's the word that works. You may know some people who have been pretty successful and not believers, but if you delve into their business, if you talk to them, you find out many times that that success comes because they have applied kingdom principles in their life and not even known it. Because the Word tends to work all the time. But it's up to us. See, the net and the nets in Luke chapter 5, and this is why I put this in there. He said to the disciples, he said to Simon, go out there and cast down your nets. And we've talked about this many times. We've shared this story a lot. Cast out your nets. And he said, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'll throw down a net. I'll do it. One net, not nets. And he threw down the net. The net fills up and it's full of fish. But here's the deal. And here's the thing that caught me. At the end of that passage, after they've done all of that, after they had all the fish come in, then he said to them, come and join me. Come and follow me. So before, they didn't know what to choose. They hadn't been with Jesus yet. They've only seen him preach at the moment. They didn't take him for his word at the moment. They didn't understand anything. But later, if you go through Acts, what do they do? They turn the whole world upside down. Why? Because they've been with him and they know some stuff now. See, they didn't know anything then. So they made a bad choice. They picked net over nets. But they didn't know anything. It was at the end of that passage, after that thing happened, that he said, come and follow me now. And then you go back down. Then they're standing up now and saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Repent. You've got to be saved. Come on. People are getting healed. Things are changing. Church is growing. It's exploding. Why? Because they know stuff now. What do you know? What do you know? The choice is ours. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, it says that he has given us the choice of life and death. In Deuteronomy in chapter 30, it says he's given you the choice. What are you going to pick? It says in verse 11, it's interesting. It says, for this commandment, which I command you today, it's not too mysterious for you. We already said the word of God is true. If I live the word, I will be less. If I don't, I won't. It's just that what? Simple. He says here, he says, the, the, the word that I'm commanding you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it too far off. He's saying it's easily accessible to you. It's right there. It actually says, it's, it's in your heart, it's in your mouth. If you go on, it says, nor is it beyond the sea. First he said, it's not in heaven. And then he said, it's not in the sea. He said in verse 14, but the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do, do. You may do it. You can't do something you don't know. You can't teach something you don't know. You can't say something you don't know. You can't meditate something you don't know. You can't act on something you don't know. It's impossible. If you want things to change in your life, get soaked up with the word. Now here's the thing, man. You can't be like you can't be like word word obese. You can't be like you can't like eat it all up. That's the other side. Then you won't fit through the door. I mean, you can't be that person that just does nothing but but soaks in the word because it says the word didn't profit them in Hebrews. Chapter 4, I think verse 2. The word didn't profit them like it profited us because it wasn't mixed with what? Faith. And faith has what to it? Works. That's the way that I can eat all of this and then I can exercise in faith and I can still stay this healthy picture of life. Thin me up, Daniel. See, you got two extremes. You got the people who don't eat anything and you got the people who eat way too much. They want to talk about all the nuts and the bolts and the this and the that's and the where we agree and where we don't agree and what were they thinking about here and what were they thinking about here. 
I mean, if you come and ask me those questions, I'll just smile at you. But I'll say, what are you doing? What's God telling you? What's he speaking to you? What are you acting on? What are you, hey, I'm all for knowledge. I'm all for learning things. I'm all for getting stuff straight. But it says, see, I've set before you today good and evil, death and life. I've set before you those things. Which one are you going to choose? Hey, hey, by the way, choose life. This is life. It's life. It says it's life to you in Proverbs in chapter 4. It says it's health to all of your flesh. It says that, but it says you have to pay attention. You have to heed his words. You have to listen to what he's saying in Proverbs in chapter 4. He lays it out. It's all right here. Now, mentoring, learn the word. Mentoring is not about sitting around talking to somebody, although that's really important. You have to have, you have, to have that kind of communication. You have to have that kind of connection. You have to have, we, we are people, we are, we are human beings, and we crave, we crave that kind of interaction with others. That's important. That is a viable part. That's why we have young marrieds, you know, and young life, married life and, and, and all these different opportunities. Get, get together. Get, You've got to get together. You've got to talk to people. You've got to share. You've got to have those relationships. Those things are important to us as human beings. But the most important relationship, the most important truth, the most important knowledge that you can ever gain is found in His Word. It says in Proverbs, lean into me. Lean into me. Hear what I'm saying. Now, are we leaning and are we hearing? Again, it doesn't matter if you read this or not. Read something in the Word. So I got this great devotional. Awesome. Good for you. That's awesome. What do I read? Ah, it just depends. Sometimes it's pursuit of his presence. Other times it's, it's the faith one. I, I go back and forth. Sometimes I don't do any of those. Because God's zipping me through something else. I have to be careful which Bible I read in. I don't read in my green nasty one with duct tape all over it. Because I end up on all these rabbit trails and I'm not paying attention to what's going on. So your mind easily wanders in those moments. But it says in Proverbs in chapter 4, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to all those fi- who find them in health of their flesh. What are? The latest craze? The latest fads? The latest things? No, his words. His words. It says all of those things. All of those things meet. Marie? Give me that phone. Huh? What's it say? You, you like got the word of God as your ringtone? Well, I can't hardly say anything bad about that now, can I? I mean, it's just what we're talking about. It's scripture, right. You're right. You're good. I say, help your mother. Now, we make that confession that says the word of God is truth. Joel Osteen, you've watched him on TV. He gets up and he says a whole long line of things. But let me tell you what, if you take out the word, is it any good? And if you don't know the word, is it going to help you? No. So the key to theirs, the key to ours is the word. It doesn't say what Pastor Bill used to say is the truth. And if I do what Pastor Bill used to say, I'll be blessed. Now, you know, Pastor Bill speaks the truth. He speaks the word and preaches the word. But it says the word of God is the truth. It doesn't say what Joel Osteen says. It doesn't even say, believe it or not, it doesn't even say anywhere in my Bible what Joyce Meyer said <laughs> is what I should build my life on. Now, I, I, I love Joyce Meyer. I, I always wanted to be Joyce Meyer in pants. I mean, I, that's, my, you know, that's always been my thing. 
I, I, I love her. Her teachings are real. They're true. There's something about giggling and being slapped at the same time that just really makes it real for you. I can relate to that because when my brother was, when we were younger, I used to, he, he would drive me nuts. This kid was a professional irritator. And he would, he would do, like he would literally sit in front of the TV when you didn't have a remote, right? He would turn the channel and just sit there. So I'd have to get up off the couch and turn the channel and go sit back down. Then as soon as I sit back down, he'd turn the channel again. And then I'd get up, I'd turn the channel, and I'd slay, sit back down. And then he'd go like this. <laughs> Great breath control. He could do it for like an hour. I mean, it was just constant. I mean, it just, it just gets me to the point where I'm on my own nose. It just gets me to the point where it's like wind. It just drives me nuts. And I'm just like, I can't take it anymore. So... I mean, I would throw him. I mean, I, would, I, would, I was bigger than him. So I, I, I'd put him down, and then I'd sit on his stomach, and I'd put my knees on his arms. And then he couldn't do anything. And then I would just, I would just, just, oh, it was awful. If you're listening, Matt, I love you. I'm coming to see you in a couple of weeks, so don't do anything horrible to the bed. <laughs> but I mean, I would slap him in the face, and then when he'd start to cry, I'd tickle him. Because then he'd start laughing. I said, why are you laughing? I'd slap him some more. Say <laughs> Joyce Meyer, right? She gets you laughing like this, and she zings you with something that's the truth. Then I'd spit on him, and I'd slap him, and I'd slap him, and I'd tickle him and slap him, and tickle him and slap him, and then until he couldn't take it anymore, and I feel like he was about to lose it, then I would let him go. But a little bit like Joyce. See, then he would come back for more, just like you did at the last Joyce, right? You did it in the morning, and then you walked away thinking, man, you came back in the afternoon, though. But nowhere in here does it say, on what Joyce says. It didn't say, pay attention to Joyce's words. She would even tell you this. It says, pay attention to God's words, the truth in the words that she speaks. That's important. Because, because this, I mean, that, that's where it is. The, the Word of God produces fruit in your life. That's what the Word of God, I mean, it, it is the absolute pinnacle of the seed faith principle. As you plant the Word, the Word will grow. Now, what happens to that growth, what happens to that harvest is up to you. But the word will grow. It says in Isaiah, right, in chapter 55, 10 and 11, it says, just as the rains come down and the snows come down and they water the ground and they water the seed and they don't return until they've done what they're supposed to do. It says the word goes forth that way too. It says the word will not return void. It says in the, in the message Bible, it says, just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry, much so also in verse 11 it says, so will the words that come out of my mouth, they'll not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work that I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment that I gave them. In Mark in chapter 4, and we've talked about the parable of the sower a few times this year and a little bit in last year. It's true. The word will sprout up. It, it says all those different situations, the word is planted. But what happens to that word when it's planted into your heart and how that harvest grows depends on you. If you're going to be by the wayside, it's going to grow up shallow and it's going to die away. If you walk out of here and get into a fight with your wife or your husband and you start tearing things up and start getting into sin when you walk out the door, the devil's going to steal that word right away. It's not going to have a chance to grow any root in your life. If you allow the cares of this world, the deceitfulness, it says, of riches, all of those other things to come in and to choke the word, it'll begin to grow up. But then those sucker shoots will come and they'll take over that plant and they'll dry it up. They'll suck the fruit off that tree and they, and they will absolutely ruin the growth and the harvest of the word of God in that place. 
But if you remain good ground, if you remain open to the Word of God, not just the things that you're reading, but the things that God's speaking to you in your heart when you're reading it, when, when, you, when something comes to light and says, oh, man, God, you've just answered my question. Wait, oh, God, you're leading me, you're guiding me. Oh, you've took me to this scripture. I've read that a thousand times. I hadn't seen that. That's learning. That's good ground. That's 30, 60, 100-fold. See, it says the seed. The Word as a seed will grow up a harvest. It produces fruit. That's what it does. It produces fruit. You can claim that for your children. Claim it for your own life. I mean, it, it does produce fruit. It's the greatest form of seed harvest that there is. Because God's the caretaker of this seed. Just as He is, we believe, in, in all those seeds. But it, this is His Word. And He said, I mean, it, it will go forth. It, it will produce a harvest. There, you can count on it. The Word also produces life. It produces life. We just read that in Proverbs 4.22. At, at the last verse, 22 says, For, for they are what to, to those who find them? They are life. The Word produces life. Have you seen people who are just looking half dead? And you can look, you can look half dead and, and watch Kenneth Copeland all day long. You can look half dead and listen to Joyce Meyer constantly. If you're not taking in the Word of God, if you're not taking this thing in in your life, if you're not listening truly to what the... If you're not writing those things down, these outlines are fantastic because you can follow me, but I'm telling you what, they're tearing up the minds because nobody writes down anything. We just look at the Scriptures. I would encourage you. I would implore you. Write them down. I recopy them every time. I've got two full notebooks full of Pastor Pam and Pastor Bill's messages. I get that thing and I, I rewrite it all. Why? Because there's something about writing it down. See, there's something about putting that pen and that pencil on the paper. There's something about... Because when you're reading that scripture that Pastor Pam's talking about right there, and you have this thing called a Bible with you, and you open it up, and although she may have moved on to verse 26, you're still in 22, and God's saying something to you. And what are you doing with that? You're writing it down. Now, I don't want to look up and see everybody else doing all kinds of different things, but, you know, I mean, those things happen. I got to hold on. I'll go back to my notebook. I'll go back to that thing. That's just as, poor, as important as your, as your prayer journal, the thing that God's speaking to you that way. Why? Because He spoke things to you when you were sitting here in church. You know, we say lift up our word. The word of God is truth. I mean, everywhere, I, everywhere you go, you got the word now. You have opportunities. It's on these things. It's on your phone. The word of God's everywhere. So you, you, you have opportunity all around you. The word produces faith, Romans 10, 17. Because it says, what comes by hearing and hearing the word of God? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Kenneth Copeland came and spent some time with footsteps of a prophet guy, Jerry Seville. <laughs> I know things by books that I read, and I got a weird picture going on in my head. So I've got a weird filing system. But, but he, he came and something, something, just, something just ticked on the inside of Jerry Seville. He said, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's something about that. So he got all of the messages. He got all the tapes from that whole week taught on faith. All the things that Kenneth Copeland said. And it wasn't what Kenneth Copeland said. If you read that book, Footsteps of a Prophet, it's the story of Jerry Seville. His relationship with Brother Copeland. But really, truly, it's the mentoring relationship of what, what Kenneth Copeland taught him and what God showed him in all of those years as he grew. It's, it's amazing. It's a great book. But if you get it, he says, I took all the things 
things that he taught. I took all the lessons and I went and I sat in my room for hours. And he said, I sat down. He said, I wanted this so bad. I wasn't going to let anything stop me or anything get in my way. It was the way for me. This was my way out. This was my truth. This was what God was speaking to me. I didn't have a clue, but I wanted to know. So he said, he got all those things and he sat in that room and it said, he didn't just listen to those scriptures. It said, he wrote them down. It says he looked them up. He said, I read them and reread them and wrote them and rewrote them. He said, when I got done, it wasn't his revelation of what it was. It was now my revelation. Because he started traveling with him and, and, and Kenneth Coleman said, why don't you share the offering today? He said, I don't have anything to share because everything that I share is what you share. And he said, well, is it your revelation? And he said, oh, it's as real to me as the sun coming up tomorrow. He said, then you preach it because it's yours. See, now it means something to him. It's not Pastor Bill's revelation. It's not Pastor Pam's revelation. It's your revelation. Because it's true to you. And you only, grow, you only go as far through that door as your ability to renew your mind to the Word, to live it in your life, and to make it become real. There, there are odd situations. There are strange. There, God's, God's teaching you something that's above where you are, or else you're not being taught. You're just being reminded. I mean, you just, you're, many of us are just reminded of the same truths when we stopped growing a long time ago. You can tell because your joy stopped growing, your peace stopped growing, your life stopped growing, things started decaying. Everything started looking bad. Everything got worse. Everything was getting better. But I come to church every day. You're just being reminded. That's almost worse. Because that kind of almost reminds you of who you could have been, should have been. Or <laughs> if you allow the, God, the Word of God to teach you something new, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with I, 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 you. Know, I mean, sitting down and saying, okay, God, are you going to get something new for me? Can we not go back and let's just go through faith again? Well, we'll go through faith because it takes faith. But I want to show you something. See, I didn't know that about the disciples. I just said they threw down net nets and they just made a bad choice. I didn't even realize they hadn't even followed him yet. God just showed me that. Whoa, interesting. You say, well, that guy's my pastor. Yeah, I learned stuff too. The word produces freedom, John 8, 31 through 32. It's not trying harder that knocks the doors off. It's not trying harder that gets you through. It's knowing Jesus. It says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, if you abide in me and my word, if you abide in me, then you will know the what? You'll know the truth. And what sets you free? The truth. See, it's not some special key that the pastor has. It's not some special key that Joyce Meyer says. It's not something that comes across the TV. It's the, it's the Word of God, the anointing that's on, the Word of God to absolutely obliterate and change your life. This is the truth. The Word of God is absolutely, positively true. It is the truth for you just as it is for me. And you may be sitting here and say, yeah, that's great, man, but I don't know. I got another other couple ways. Well, then try those other couple ways, and I'll see you in another couple months. And, and my guess is you'll be in the same place that you are today or worse. I've, I've, I've given it a shot. I've gotten obstinate. Obstinate does not lead to better, by the way. <laughs> Nowhere in all that did I find better. I found a lot of mess. And I found a lot of problems. It's not about trying harder with God. It's about loving and living and being in His Word. That's the thing that changes you. We've talked about it a million times. VBI, man, it'll turn your life upside down. But if you stop applying yourself in the same way that you were in that place, you will end up reverting back to who you used to be. Done. You can look on the back of your bulletin when we do VBI graduation, and there's a hundred and some graduates and all those people, and you can literally highlight the 40 of them that are still around. Now, some of them moved, some of them changed, but if you go down that list, it's a list of, of who, 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 who's, who stopped doing it. It is, it's very sad. 
You come to a place in your life where you're, you're all of a sudden becoming prosperous and you're all of a sudden your life is changing and that's the place where you're supposed to keep going. And we stop. We have just enough prosperity to, to kill us. We have, we have just enough ho-hos to make us not want the food. See, we say, don't eat that candy before your dinner. Why? Because it'll spoil your appetite. Careful with the ho-hos. You're never going to be able to look at a ho-ho the same. Real quickly here in the end, we'll finish. The Word is alive. That's the last thing on your list. It says, Jesus was the Word made flesh. He came, and He died on the cross. We talked about it last week, but He didn't stand that cross. He didn't stand that tomb. He rose again, and He's alive. So the Word of God is alive in our life. He's alive. We're alive. Jesus understood the importance of the Word. In Matthew chapter 4, it says, Man shall live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He did not make that up when He said that. He was quoting what? The Word. He was quoting the Word. How did He quote the Word? He knew it. Well, maybe the Holy Spirit told Him. Well, then maybe the Holy Spirit tells you too. It says in the Word of God in John chapter 14 that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and show you and tell you and remind you of the things that Jesus said. So maybe you heard a word in mentoring. Maybe you heard a word in, in, in Pastor Pam's message. Maybe you heard something. And all of a sudden that comes back to you. That's the Holy Spirit bringing back what? The Word. He brings back the Word. That's what He does. Now this is important. The Word of God is living and powerful. It says so in Hebrews chapter 4.12. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is living and it's powerful. The Word of God is living and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divisions of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Sometimes we don't like to get alone with this thing because it begins to dissect what's going on on the inside. But let me, let me get to this for a second. Let me just throw this out to you. In Ephesians in chapter 6, it, talks about, it also talks about all, all the armor of God. Now, the Word of God is really, truly, out of all of those things, it says that the sword of Spirit in, in 6.18 of Ephesians, it says, the Word of God, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the what? The Word of God. It becomes the only tangible part of the armor of God. There's the gospel of peace, and there's the God, you know, and then there's the belt of truth, and there's the breastplate of righteousness, there's the shield of faith, but there is the sword of the Spirit. Now, this is something that I can touch. This is something that I can swing. This is something I can relate to. This is something I can eat. This is something I can soak up. This is something that I can... This is tangible to me. It represents the Word of God that He speaks to me, yes. But this thing represents His, His Word. This is what happened. This is what goes on. This is, what do you base your life on? If I asked you that in a conversation somewhere, you'd say the Word of God. How much of the Word do you know? Not much. Oof. You're like on one-legged foundation. Right? I mean, it says build your life on a firm foundation. What's the firm foundation? This! The living, powerful, almighty Word of God. Well, I don't need that. Well, then I'll see you later. I see you in a mess somewhere. I can't never get past those things. I know. And you never will. Hallelujah. See you next Sunday. Why? Because it's this. It's this. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have it. I can't, I can't understand. I can't read. I don't, I don't, I don't do very well. I don't learn. The Word of God, He'll help you. I'm not a good reader. My mind don't. Shouldn't do that to your sword, Luke. What's up with that? Man, darn. It's all right. 
I mean, this, this, is, this is it. I mean, this is what you got. This is, this is all you got, Chuck? Three times. This is all you got. You know? I mean, this is what... what he, I told Chuck, said, you call me out all the time. I said, I know your name now. <laughs> if I know your name, you, you're a prime target. But I mean, if this... Right? If this, if this is all... If this is all you... If this is all you got, I mean, I, 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 see, do, do you understand? The, the centurion, the, the, the guy who was, who was the leader who came to Jesus and he said, my, my, my servant is home, he's sick, he's not doing well. And Jesus said, well, let me go with you to that place. Do you understand the power and the anointing that comes with the word? The man said, you don't have to go to my house, just speak what? The word. I understand authority. I understand the power of the word. I understand, of you spe- I understand what that means. If you'll just speak the word, I know he'll be okay. Do we understand it the same way? Let's stand up together today. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.